Welcome to Stories of Faith and Hope, the podcast that inspires your faith and gives you reason to hope. I'm your host, Joel Sutherland. Thank you so much for joining us for our next to the last episode in season one. This is episode 21, and I cannot wait to introduce you to our guest today. It's a friend of mine, a fellow pastor, colleague, uh, Pastor Tom Kaiser, and he has an incredible story. Now, I know last week we started Nebuchadnezzar's testimony in our Daniel series, and next week we're going to be concluding that testimony. But I know something we've talked about in the life of Daniel, if you've been keeping up with our Daniel series that has been interspersed throughout these interviews and these episodes, something that we've talked about is that the entire first part of Daniel is really God trying to reach the heart of Nebuchadnezzar. And he tries over and over and over again, and it never gives up. And that's one thing that I love about the story of Daniel, is how it just shows the tenacity of God as he tries to reach each one of us. And I think this story with Tom Kaiser is going to demonstrate the same thing to you, that God tried so hard to reach him, and he tried over and over and over again through different means. And he finally did. And now Tom is a pastor, and he's serving the Lord here in Kentucky. And uh, I'm just really excited to introduce you to him and for you to hear his story. So here is my conversation with Pastor Tom Kaiser. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, Joel, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for being willing to come on the podcast and share. Um, so tell our listeners a little bit about you. I know um, they've gotten a little bit used to our denomination and how they do pastors, um, hire pastors and things with our conference and stuff, because I've inter- interviewed several of the other pastors as well as ministerial director. Um, so you're one of the other pastors in our conference, and uh, you are up in Kentucky. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing, how many churches you pastor, things like that. All right. Well, um, I am currently pastoring a two-church district. Um, I have uh, pretty much my full-time. Uh, my full-time I've been a pastor, um, with the exception of when I did my uh, student pastoring when I was in school. But um, I pastor two churches currently in eastern Kentucky. Um, uh, that's going to be changing. Uh, I'm in the process of changing between two churches. I'm going. I'm moving from one church a little bit further south to another one that's further north. Um, but my base church, my main, my main home church, is going to be staying the same. And that's Manchester, Kentucky. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to be I'm transitioning from Williamsburg, Kentucky, up to Richmond, Kentucky. Okay. Wow. So the, the, yeah, they've switched you around a couple times. It seems like, if I remember yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I've never actually moved from one district to another. I've always been redistricted in the <laughs> eight years I've been in the conference. That's really funny. Yeah, I'm the one who's had to move. Um, so very good. So you're a pastor. What about when you were a kid? Was that kind of what you had in mind that you wanted to do? Or what, what kind of background do you come from? So if you ask any of the friends that I grew up with and you tell them I'm a pastor, in fact, I've done this, and uh, the, the, the noise is either dead silence or hysterical laughter. Um, <laughs> I, I did not grow up in a church background really at all. Um, my, I grew up with my grandparents, both of them, uh, well, all three of them. It was my great-grandparents and my grandmother, who was their daughter. Um, none of them are really faith-based. Um, in fact, the first time I heard my grandfather say the name of Jesus was um, – uh, when our next door neighbor asked if I can go to church with her when I was seven, when I was seven or eight years old. And he says, uh, yeah, 
let, let him go. That boy needs Jesus. And that's like the only time I'd heard the name uh, wow. up until that point in time. Um, or I've heard, I've heard him say it. Uh, you know, we do like, uh, we do gospel sings. Mm-hmm. A big thing in the South is gospel sings. They fry fish and they sing about Jesus all night long. Um, <laughs> and uh, that would be like one Friday, one Friday a month or something like that. Um, and I would go and catch the fish. My grandfather would fry the fish and I go play hide and seek in the graveyard that was in the church next door. That was my church experience until I was uh, seven or eight. And then I went with my neighbor for about a year. Uh, I don't remember anything uh, about that except for we went to go see a Lion King in theaters. Mm. And that made that got some people really upset because we weren't supposed to go to a movie theater or something. I, I don't know. Right. It was a little Pente- it was a little Pentecostal church in uh, in South Alabama. Um, and then I end up leaving the church for about a year. Um, the pastor passed away. Some things happened. They just didn't take me anymore. It wasn't like a conscious effort. Just nobody picked me up on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't until I was probably a 12, 11 or 12, 13 maybe. Um, I was playing ball one Sunday morning, and some person drove up in a car and said, Hey, when you come to church? I'm like, sure, why not? You know, I'm going to get in this car with this random stranger that I've never met in my life. Um, and so I hop on my bicycle. I ride home. I do ask for permission. And then my grandmother dutifully lets me go with a stranger that neither one of us has ever met before. Wow. Um, and so I get, yeah, that, that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Very different time. Very different time. Very yeah. different culture. Kids don't do this at home. Yes, absolutely not. <laughs> um, and um, anyway, she dr- uh, I ended up going to church and uh, it's an, it was the pastor's wife. I found out it was the pastor's wife. And um, it would be over the next three years that I would have um, – Lots of experiences throughout the church, uh, both good and bad. Um, I'd end up being baptized a half dozen times. Um, I got baptized in one church. Another church get mad, and I get baptized in another church. And just anyway, that's another story <laughs> in itself. It was really, really weird. The the and I saw like the the denominationalism where our denomination is the only domination, denomination. Mm-hmm. And if you're not a member of my denomination, you're in the wrong denomination. Mm-hmm. And um, you know. I was a kid, I liked to swim, so, you know, who cared about getting baptized? Um, it didn't really yeah. mean anything to me. Uh, I ended up having a big uh, bout with um, my teachers, my Sunday school teachers specifically, over the the idea of evolution, um, mm. what I was being told in Sunday school, and what I was being taught at school in biology class in my, my freshman year of high school uh, didn't match. And um, I asked questions about dinosaurs, where they come from, because I loved, I wanted to be a paleontologist. That's why I mm. loved dinosaurs. I'd read my my uh, my librarian at our public at our public uh, public library there in our town. Uh, and libraries are these buildings that had books in them once ago. Um, <laughs> thank before you for the digital age. Thank you for explaining that. <laughs> just just in case some just in case there's some younger listeners out here, libraries yeah. were were things at that point in time. <laughs> and she would actually order books from from other libraries about dinosaurs. I read everything from the the kitty books all the way up to um, you know. The higher level books. It was a small, small library. I mean, it was no larger than you know maybe a maybe a twenty by sixty building. It was a mm-hmm. small library. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I asked her, "Like, where did dinosaur bones come from? Then, how do we explain that?" And she says, "Well, son, the 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 the, the devil put dinosaur bones in the ground to confuse little boys like you." Oh, and I'm my like, "Word." I was 16 at the time. And wow. so, you know, I knew at 16, I knew everything as it was, mm-hmm. but I, that didn't sit well with me. And I'm like, well, this is something that's really odd. And then there ended up being a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, 15 minutes is not nearly enough time to go into the whole story. But one thing led to another. I had cops called to my house. I was accused of being the leader of two different gangs and a satanic cult um, <laughs> that all originated around me being accused by Christians 
Um, and I'm like, I want absolutely nothing to do with this. I don't want anything to do with a God that would have people that would follow him like this. And I went from being Christian to being uh, not, not necessarily atheist in the truest sense of where I didn't believe in God, but I was very militistic of, against people who believed because I thought they were all just idiots. Like they, wow. that, that, that between a group of Christians, there wasn't enough common sense between them to, to put the lid on the bucket properly. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I, I mean, I had that much anger toward the church. And so I, I left off and I got involved in some really, really like weird spiritual things. I got, I did get involved in some cultish type things. And so I wasn't a cult leader. <laughs> by any means, but I did get involved. I did get involved in the occult, not a cult. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and you know, seances and Ouija boards and witchcraft and a lot of that stuff. And to the point where I was about uh, about eighteen, and um, it scared me bad enough that I'm like, I need to get out of this so, uh, and get away from this kind of stuff. So, what kind of led you that direction? Was it just you were trying to be all anti God, or you were you were trying to find some sort of spiritualism but you were upset at the church what what kind of was the was the thought i, I think that? it was i think it was because i was told that it was uh, this is the this is like the this is like the the anti-christian mm, um mm-hmm. thing this is like so against the bible it was against everything i was told in sunday school and so i think it was part of it was a rebellious nature uh part of it was searching for something else so that there's some kind of meaning in life besides just what i was reading about in my textbooks on evolution mm-hmm. um that there was something else to it uh, and part of it was the entertainment that I was involved in. You know, I was very heavily into, you know, uh, vampires and werewolves and all that kind of stuff. And and so my fantasy reading took me into a lot of this stuff and actually believing some of the fantasy stuff because my mind wasn't able to dif- differentiate very well between those things. And so I kind of went off. It was really the, the um, that stuff that led me into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. So you're 18 now. You get a f- you're scared of that stuff now. And so what happens next? Uh, so the process, I, I kind of just start, you know, I, I end up moving. Uh, I moved from Alabama to Florida. Uh, I, at this point, I had already dropped out of high school, um, more for financial reasons with my family. Mm. Um, I actually dropped out of school on September 11th, 2001. Oh, wow. And so <laughs> I actually walked into the classroom to return my books to my teachers, and everybody was looking at a TV. I didn't know there was a TV in that classroom. <laughs> I've been going to school there for four years. I didn't realize there was a TV in the classroom. <laughs> And they're watching, like, why are they watching some kind of like, you know, sci fi movie? Right. Planes are hitting buildings and stuff. And so, um, and then, and so I went, I moved to Florida. I went back to high school. I ended up dropping out of high school a second time. Um, Mm. and then ended up getting, uh, that next year getting my GED, um, and joining the military. And so I kind of, I joined, I joined the military when I was, uh, when I was 18, I'd already been, mm-hmm. I already joined, I joined slightly before September 11th, but I was in the reserves. So I went to full time at that point, went to full time active duty. Okay. Um, cause I wanted, you know, I, I wanted to do something, you know, mm-hmm. I wanted to, I, I needed to get out of the funk that I was in the place that I was at. And, you know, I just wanted to go over there and, um, you know, serve my country, wherever that, wherever mm-hmm. that took me, where that took mm-hmm. me to Iraq or Afghanistan or, or whatever. That's, that's what I wanted to do. Wow. Wow. And so you end up in the, it was army that you joined army or okay. army. Yes. I went from national guard to active duty army. Okay. And so where did that end up taking you? Well, after I went to training boot camp, um, individual, uh, my, my, uh, individual advanced training or advanced individual training, AIT, where I learned my job. And then I went to Korea. Um, it was in Korea where I kind of got away from all of the religious type of stuff and just became just straight. It was, I was no longer really antagonistic against faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just more like, 
it didn't it didn't matter to me. Um, gotcha. So I guess I had switched from atheist more to agnostic at that point. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't say there wasn't a God. I wasn't angry at Christians or God. Um, you know, my job kept me busy, really busy. And when I wasn't um, at my job, I was drinking. Mm-hmm. And so I had found this thing called alcohol and uh, was going to the bar every night when I got off work. Um, every weekend till late, late at night till one o'clock. Well, till about five forty till five fifty nine. Because if it was if it was one o'clock, then we'd get in trouble for being off base. So oh, you weren't allowed to drink past that time. Okay. <laughs> and so I, I was drinking. The drinking age in Korea was actually a lot was lower. It was like it was a uh, twenty, I believe it was, mm-hmm. uh, or eight or nineteen, and I could drink even before I became twenty one. Uh, and so I started drinking really, really heavily um, for probably about a year, year and a half of my time in Korea. Uh, and that's where, um, I kind of had my, you know, my Martin Luther experience, so mm-hmm. to speak, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, I, I woke up one morning after a night of drinking in a ditch, didn't know where I was at. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to church today. Mm-hmm. I don't know where in the world that thought came from. That's what happened. I was wanted to go to church. Wow. Uh, and I end up going to, I end up going back to my barracks. I got a shower. I got cleaned up. Um, I just put on clothes cause I had, n- I had nothing churchy. I didn't own a pair of slacks. I didn't own a button up shirt that didn't have camo on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I didn't, you know, t-shirts and a, and a pair of jeans. I think I wore, I don't remember. Uh, and I ended up going to church and then I got to church. There's like six people on this campus mm-hmm. in this, uh, this chapel service. Yeah. And of the six people, five of them I had saw or four of them I had saw at the bars the night before. Oh mercy! And two of them I knew were 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 messing with prostitutes mm. uh, and were married. Mm. And so uh, the other one was the chaplain himself. I didn't see him at the bar, which was a good thing, I guess. The chaplain <laughs> that was in the service. Um, that probably would have been really bad if it was the chaplain was doing it. And it was one of the ladies that actually worked in my unit who invited me to go. Had been inviting me to go to church several times. Um, I'm like, you know what? This is not for me. These people are hypocrites. You know, mm-hmm. they're singing about, oh, Jesus loves me, but. You know, they're not. And so I didn't want anything to do with it. And so I didn't go back. Wow. So what ended up bringing you to church then? Something happened after that. (laughs) It's called a pretty girl. (laughs) I end up meeting the woman who's now my wife. And uh, she was a school teacher for for, uh, an Adventist school uh, in Korea. She was a missionary from India. And I was teaching school uh, in public schools as English as a second language. Um, and, um, I ended up meeting her through those realms, through the teaching stuff and asking about teaching ESL and, um, her faith just was so natural that it Mm. just came up. It wasn't like she was trying to share her faith with me. It just came up in conversations. And Mm -hmm. so I started asking a ton of questions and some of them, I was, I I started going back to some of my militant type of, uh, ideas toward Christianity. Right. Um, but she was very gracious in the way that she responded. And the thing that was different about her is she actually lived what she talked about. And mm. I didn't see this discrepancy. I mean, she was by no means perfect. She still make mistakes, but she'd make a mistake and then she'd apologize about it. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> wow. wow. And, and she never condemned me. You know, you know, we would, I would talk about going out and, you know, I'd send her, I, like I sent her a text message um, with a picture on it. And that was something that you could do at that point in time. Mm-hmm. It was something new. <laughs> um, it was still the little flip phones. And when you text, it was like one, 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 two, 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 three, three, three. You know, if you wanted to type something, it was like three, three, two, 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 five, six, six, six. Well, maybe not six, 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 but anyway, you know, I get what, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> Mercy, I, <laughs> you have, know. I have honestly never 
texted with with a phone like that. I, well, I've, that was the way I've heard about that's it. Where, <laughs> that's that's the way it started. And but it could you could this one. I actually got a phone that was a flip phone. It was a a, a razor or something like that maybe, and it had a camera on it, so you could take these like Whoa. it had like a one megapixel camera uh-huh. on it, and you could take a picture and send. I took a picture of me being really drunk, and she's like the the, the messages she she sends back, and it's like oh. You look really silly. You know, she didn't condemn me for drinking or mm. any of that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, wow. N- never once did she do, she do that. And so she lived out a Christian experience. She invited me to church. Um, she was an Adventist, and I knew nothing about Sabbath. And so in order for me to not, like, ask her out to dinner after church or to take her out to eat or anything like that, <laughs> she uh, she took me to a church where they had potluck. When in Korea, they had potluck every Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um, and But it was also a church where we were literally in church the entire day. From the time that I got there at, like, 9 o'clock in the morning for Sabbath school, church, potluck, First afternoon session, second afternoon <laughs> session, third afternoon session. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to these classes, and, and she's like, well, and at the end of the day, she's like, how do you like that? I'm like, well, that was really cool. Do you guys go to church all day long, every week? And she's like, no, not not normally. I'm like, well, what do you do in the afternoons after church then? Well, we normally eat at the church. And she was like kind of forcing that eating at the church mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. And then we can go hiking. I'm like, oh, I love hiking. You know, I, I I do it for a living. You know, I'm in the military, <laughs> and so the next Sabbath we went hiking, um, and of course it, she ran into her first Sabbath problem with me because I ended up going to like this little snack shop and buying all the stuff for her. She's like, no, 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 I don't. No, oh, no. And then she kind of just g- kind of gave in with it, and she drank the Powerade that I bought for her and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, and then we started getting together every single Sabbath, and I started, and there was something about her and the missionaries that taught there because I didn't understand a word of it. I was in church, and the church service was completely in Korean. So I didn't understand anything. It was the Sabbath school class that I was there for. And I'm sitting there, I'm like listening. I mean, you think about, you know, being at church and we don't speak the language of the people. I mean, literally, it wasn't the language I could speak. I couldn't speak any Korean. Um, but, uh, and they tried translating. It was just the translation. The person who translated was really, really bad. Oh, like, that's hard. She would l- lean over to her husband, ask what he'd say. And then the points of it's like, none of it made any sense. And you could tell that she was like translating maybe 20% of what it was actually being said. Mm. And so they gave me, um, this new thing had just come out. It was called an, it was called an iPod and it had a screen <laughs> on it and it had the touch wheel where you can kind of, all your directional uh-huh. stuff was done on the touch wheel. Uh-huh. And they actually had Doug Bachelor on there and they let me watch Doug Bachelor sermons while the, the preaching was going on. <laughs> and so, um, I got my interaction with that one. Um, my wife ended up giving me the book, the richest caveman by Doug Batcher mm-hmm. that told his story. And I really, really liked that. And he said something, and this is the one thing that if you get anything out of what I'm talking about, you know, he said something in that book that, that I always go back to. He talked about when he was driving, he went to go get some milk or something and God impressed him to go to this, walk into this church. That was a a church that was holding services on like a Sunday night or something like that. And it was a little Pentecostal church. And I remember him sitting there saying that, you know, I preached that I end up going up there and it's like, oh, brother, brother bachelor's here. You know, why don't you come up and say a few words? And he's like, well, I'm a pastor. I'm not going to say just a few words. <laughs> and it was actually an answer to that pastor's prayer because he was super sick. 
And so Doug Batchel was able to preach. And at the end of it, he telling the story, he says, you know what? And they were like, they were so into it. I mean, we hear, amen, hallelujah. It's like, I wish more Adventist churches mm. were like that. And that's the first time I had heard somebody actually say something good about another denomination that wasn't their own. Mm. And it was like, maybe this church is not this elitist type of church that I've grown up with. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. was like the censure that I'm like, you know what? I really want to study more about what this church believes. So wow. it was a combat. The, the major combination was someone who actually lived their faith, believed it, and didn't push it on me, but answered all my questions, even when I was very argumentative, especially when she shared with me about this whole pork thing. I'm from the South. I ate everything <laughs> and told me I couldn't eat pork. That was some crazy stuff right there. Um, you know, the Sabbath thing made complete sense to me. But the way that she responded to everything, she, when she gave me a Bible study on the Sabbath, it made sense. When she gave me a Bible study on unclean meats, it didn't make any sense. But she never was like, well, you know, the, our first date, I had, you know, I had, uh, I had uh, shrimp Alfredo, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, and she didn't condemn me for any of that. And I tried to share it with her. She's like, no, no, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a vegetarian, um, which I, you know, I, I still to this day thought was really, really funny. Right, right. Um, but, you know, it, she was really genuine. And then, you know, the first big, you know, television or this like big preacher person who wasn't saying that if you didn't go to his church, you were going to hell um, or that, you know, send me money, this, that, and the other. He, right. he actually said something positive about somebody else's faith. And so that was really what drew me in. Now, it would be a process of about a year and a half. Um, you know, I, I would end up getting baptized. Um, my idea of keeping Sabbath at that point in time was when I went to the bar, on Friday night, I would be the designated driver. I wouldn't drink because, you know, it was Sabbath. <laughs> uh-huh. And then on Saturday night, I would drink and my buddy would be the designated driver so he could be sober on Sunday when he went to church. <laughs> and so, because I still had a really hard time with the alcohol thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the pastor, I don't think the pastor just baptized me. He said there, and he knew that there was something in me. He's like, this is a real disciple. When, when, when truth's presented to him, he's going to wrestle with it and he's going to accept it. Mm. And so like even with alcohol, I mean, it took me a year and a half to give up alcohol. Uh, and then I'd end up getting baptized again after I had completely given up alcohol. Uh, I had already given up smoking at this point, so they did want to make sure I had quit smoking before I was baptized. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't know; they didn't even know about that I still drank. But um, <laughs> it was the process wow. of you know learning these different things and God just really working in my life to make my life better and you know giving me the strength to give it up. And even though I you know. I would go, I'd pour all my liquor down the drain and I'd go out and buy some more and I'd, you know, I'd drink and I wouldn't even get drunk at this point. I would just have a drink. And I'd be like, you know, I'd feel so guilty about it. I'd go and pour it. I must've poured down. I must've, I must've probably burned through $300 of Jack Daniels that I poured down the poured down the drain in that whole process. Um, but it was something that even during that time when I was struggling with that, um, she was very much like, you know what, I'm praying for you. God's going to give you the strength to let, you know, it was real genuine. Even when wow. I was struggling, I, I was allowed to struggle. Mm-hmm. And so that was what really, really convinced me. And, and November or, um, and then April 1st, 2006, I was, I was baptized into church. And that's my, what I consider my birthday, my mm-hmm. Christian birthday. Cause I, mm-hmm. I had completely given up the, you know, completely given up the worldly things that God had asked me to remove my life. Not by any means am I perfect or have given up everything. You know, I mm-hmm. still, um, I still have my faults and my errors, but God has given me the ability to to work through that. Such a powerful testimony from my friend, Pastor Tom Kaiser. I'm just so thankful that he was able to get on the podcast and share his story. And I hope that it was a blessing to you and that it inspired you. Next week, we are going to be talking about our final subject for season one. We are going to be finishing Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar's letter, 
And it's going to be a good episode. Dr. Henderson and I are going to be talking about this culmination of God's work in Nebuchadnezzar's life and on Nebuchadnezzar's heart. And so here is just a quick preview of next week's episode. Well, at my age, uh, where I have a lot fewer days ahead than I have had behind, Mm. (laughs) you look back at times and you ask yourself, you know, what has my influence been Mm -hmm. through the years? Have I been the type of influence that has maybe... I've had an effect on someone else to be able to see the Lord that I love, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, will it have an, a, a permanent impact on somebody's life? You yeah. can't help but look back and, and always wonder. That conversation, the exciting conclusion to season one, will be available next week right here on Stories of Faith and Hope. You can find us online at faithandhoperadio.com, on Facebook at Faith and Hope Radio. Music was provided by Dexter Britson under the Creative Commons license. Uh, You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Give us a five-star rating. That always helps. I uh, hope you have a wonderful day. God bless you. And uh, have faith and hope.